Welcome, everybody, and thanks for listening and subscribing to Behind the Screen. Uh, I am your host, JT Kane, and I'm here with Matt Corey, and we are here to talk about auditions. And as you know, uh, we talk about orchestra auditions, which take place behind the screen, and, you know, hence the name behind the screen, if you haven't caught on to that yet. I'm pretty sure everybody has by now, right? I think, think so. I hope yeah. so. I hope so, too. I'm sure How this about- is not the first time that someone's been listening, because we have a huge following. Huge. Um, but do you think anyone caught on to the fact that you eliminated the part of your speech where you say, my good friend, Matt Corey, and you just said... Yeah, well, after you called me a dick. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. All right, so fair enough. That's when the bleep comes in, right? Yeah. 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 Right. Okay, good. Yeah. I'll bleep that. Yeah. <laughs> but we wanted to... Uh, we, we hope that, that our discussions and our guests um, will be a resource and an inspiration for anyone who is you know, currently taking auditions, thinking about taking auditions, or really just uh, interested in the audition process. This podcast is brought to you by Insight for the Blind, a very special recording studio based in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, where over 100 volunteers produce talking books and magazines for the blind and physically handicapped so that all may read. See for yourself at insightfortheblind.org. Indeed. Thank you to Insight for the Blind for being such an amazing sponsor and, and really shelling shelling out so much money to those people like those people that what? are supposed to write into screen is oh. up oh no i wouldn't make insight pay for that oh well, no sponsor. i was gonna i was gonna go into into my uh discretionary spending budget for that oh, i'm glad you have one but guess what what <laughs> i haven't had to spend any money <laughs> We need people to write in to screen is up and give us some suggestions on who they want to hear. On, and on send some audio too, if you'd yeah. like to be coached up. Speaking of which, I want to welcome our, our guest, uh, the uh, principal flute of Seattle Symphony, Damari McGill. Damari, thank you so much for being here. It's, it's such a pleasure. Hey, thanks for having me. Absolutely. Great, great to be here. Yeah. No, this is, this is very exciting because... Um, I've had you at New World and we, and at uh, the uh, at NASC, you know, coaching all of our all of our fellows and uh, and uh, but I haven't really had a really good chance to talk to you, just kind of one on one. So buckle up, I'm ready. <laughs> <laughs> so this is a podcast about auditions. So I mean, let's not let's not beat around the bush. I want to talk to you about about auditions, right? Because yeah. you've taken a few. You went to Curtis for your undergrad, but I don't remember. So from there, I'm, that's where I'm drawing a blank. So give me a little background of like, what was your first audition? What was the first gig you landed kind of? A- yeah, yeah. So after Curtis, I went to Juilliard. Mm-hmm. And I honestly, I, I went to Juilliard because I wasn't, I didn't really have, a, I didn't have a game plan. I don't recommend <laughs> not having a game plan, I, but I didn't really have one. So my teacher taught at Juilliard. So I was like, okay, yeah, I'm right. going to Juilliard. And... I was fortunate enough in a way to have some pretty good quality gigs, yeah. not enough to, to string together a career, but I, you know, like, like, uh, maybe play a solo with Dayton Philharmonic, mm-hmm. but I would have like a few of those a year. So it was, it was nice student money, Yeah, sure. but I couldn't, I mean, I couldn't survive off of that. So I get done with Juilliard and, uh, one of my teachers, uh, Jeff Kaner said to me, you know, uh, these these gigs you're getting are going to, you're not going to get them anymore. Mm. It's like, well, really? Why not? I was like, well, <laughs> they're going to give them to James Galway or the principal flutist of that orchestra now, you know, because uh, yeah. you're, 
you know, you're in your 20s. You're too old now. Oh, you no. Know? Oh, it, you, really? Well, yeah, because I was, I was getting these gigs as a, you know, as an 18-year-old, 19-year-old. It's just... I'm not competition to anyone, to the principal flutist or to uh-huh. James Galway. It's just so he says, if you want to continue to d- doing this kind of thing, you know, you should you should win an orchestra job, you know, easier said than done. Mm. So that's honestly that's when I really started to focus on auditioning and even um, the rep orchestra, orchestra excerpts. Mm-hmm. At, towards the end of my time at Juilliard. Um, and I took a, fortunately, there were a bunch of auditions around that time. So I had a lot of opportunities to fail, you know, within a short, <laughs> within a short period of time. And the first job I won was with the Florida Orchestra. Oh, In the yeah. Tampa Bay area. Yeah, Matt and actually knows the Florida Orchestra very well. He is was that right? Their, he was their personnel manager for a while. That's wrong, JP. Oh wait, that is wrong. I'm sorry. You know what? You're right. I'm sorry that because you're. You, you're I'm thinking Florida Phil. Yeah, my bad. Down south. Yes. Nice try, JT. Though. <laughs> yeah, I was. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Go ahead. You were saying Florida. Yeah, <laughs> it's all right. It's all right. So I was. Yeah, I was. Man, I was so happy to get that job. Yeah. I just. I just remember telling the committee afterwards. I'm like, I didn't even know this was possible. You know. No, just you, to, <laughs> Just, to, to, you know, to cross over, uh-huh. like to actually, like to be the last person standing and yeah. to stay. Like, I just, it blew my mind. So I was, I was there for a little bit. I was there for about four years. Oh, wow. And yeah. then, um, and then one principal of the San Diego Symphony mm-hmm. uh, won a, an acting principal job, job with the Pittsburgh Symphony during my time there, uh, was also with the Santa Fe Opera Orchestra. I remember you telling a story about about San Diego. Yeah, like there was there was wasn't there some kind of a like a weird thing that happened with your audition there? Oh yeah, yeah. So <laughs> I I show up to the audition and I I had a routine that I was you know I'd like do some push ups and sit ups right. up in like, the hotel like room in in the okay in the, oh, in I was the hotel say, room in the, like, yeah. in the practice room. <laughs> no no no, just you know before I'm getting ready uh-huh. to warm up um, and. Even before I start that routine, I get a call asking if I can come in early. And I said, okay, sure, I'll come in. I'll right. Forget the routine. I'll just come in early. I get there. Tons of flutists there. They, they don't have enough uh, practice rooms for all of us. So we're all practicing and warming up in the hall. Mm-hmm. I was under the impression that, that right before our audition, we would have an opportunity to be in a uh, practice room yeah. just for like 10 minutes sure. before we go play for the committee. And so they come and get me. I'm carrying my bag. I have a coat. I have my headphones. I'm holding everything, thinking <laughs> I'm going to my practice room. And I walk into this room, and they're like, um, you know, number 34. I'm like, what? What? Like, right now? We're, I'm like, I really, I <laughs> like mouth, like, right now? I was not ready. And the first excerpt was, you know, Afternoon of a Fawn, which kind of... Um, I like to be at peace before I play it sure. and, and calm. And I just wasn't there. Anyway, I played through through it all and it's it's a mess. It's it's all it's weird. I then go to the green room. Uh the personnel manager comes to announce, you know, the people who advance, calls my number. I'm like, wow, okay, mm. I made it. Five minutes later it comes back and says, I am so sorry. He made a mistake. Oh no! Yeah, he <laughs> I don't made remember a mistake. That part. Oh no! Yeah, I probably didn't add this part. So <laughs> I, I leave. I leave, and I'm walking up the hill, 
and I call a friend of mine in the Florida Orchestra. I'm talking to her, and she, and I was just, he's like, "This seems weird. Maybe you should get some information and just let the union know." Just, just uh-huh. there were things about this that were too a little confusing, right? So I go back in. I said, I asked for this information very politely, and the personnel manager then goes off, talks to the union rep. He comes back and he says, he asked me, "Do you think there was something that we did?" to negatively influence your audition experience. And I said, well, yes. some things were confusing. Like I didn't know that I was about to go audition when yeah. I was about to audition. And he went back to talk to the union rep again, came back and said, okay, we're gonna allow you to actually play at your original time again. Oh, okay. I was like, okay, I really wasn't asking for that actually. I just wanted an email address, <laughs> you know? And I said, yeah. sure, sure. So I worked my way through the rounds and won it. There are gonna be things that happen. You know, in an audition, right. in an audition day and things like that, and how to kind of overcome those those kind of things. Like when you get a call, like, can you do it right now? You got to be prepared. You got to be ready to go kind of at, at all, right. you know, and get yourself together because you go on stage and you have to play Afternoon of the Fawn, which is very beautiful and, you know, long tones and things like that. And if you're right, not right. ready to do that, you know, it's going to affect you. But also, I love the fact that you're you're, you're saying like, you know, this happened, you know, they called my number for me to advance and then they said, oh, we made a mistake. It is okay to say something. Like, I know a lot of people would just be like, oh, well, you know what? I'm going to go. Like, you kind of almost did. You were walking out. I was out. out the door. Yeah. I was out the door. I want to make sure that, that people understand that. It's, it is okay. And you don't have to be a jerk about it. You just need to be like, hey, so what happened? Like, can, can we talk about this? How can we kind of fix this problem that, that just occurred? So, so I'm glad you right. said that. Speak up. It doesn't yeah. speak up. Be polite. And it wasn't even the wrong number of... Audition. I mean, it was mostly the. I did it. Really, did not know that I was about to play the audition like right that second. Mm-hmm. It was. It yeah. was mostly, okay. mostly that. But yeah, I mean, yeah. I yeah, it changed my life to speak up, and it changed that orchestra's life. You know, really to sure. have me for for those years. Well, so how do you how do you feel like when you're like your routine or or like when you're taking an audition? How do you cope with something like that when when all of a sudden like what's going on? with you like physically when you take an audition you know how do you how do you how do you deal with stress how do you deal with the uh, you know the before the after the during right well i i first of all i expect to be stressed out mm-hmm. i i just expect that i expect to be you know nervous but i also expect to be prepared enough that i can play i ideally i can play my worst and it's still good enough this is a concept that I developed definitely after that San Diego experience mm. to make sure that if I if I am in that situation, it doesn't matter. Yeah. That I have prepped myself to not actually try to peak, but honestly, try to play how I played last Tuesday. Okay. Psychologically, I try to make sure if there's if there's an audition on the horizon, I want to be ready enough for that orchestra to want me to really understand that uh, my presence could possibly raise the level of the orchestra. I want to be at that point before I see the announcement. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, psychologically, uh, because then at that point, my focus is on working up this music, working up the excerpts, listening, playing for people, and of course, inevitably improving, but. I'm trying to be at that point even before yeah. it's they've even made the the announcement so that when that day comes, if I can simply play 
play how I normally play. So you went to Curtis and then and then at Juilliard, and then you you said that you didn't start really thinking about auditions until kind of that close to the end of your of your time at Juilliard. So, but you were playing a lot of solos and things like that. So, um, you were studying to be a soloist. You wanted to. Am I am I wrong saying that that was your kind of what you were practicing more than more than excerpts? Solo and chamber music. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, mm-hmm. is that your approach to playing excerpts? Is like you are a soloist or like you are playing chamber music? There is one thing I've noticed over the course of my career is that the difference between how I play in orchestra and how I play, especially in like chamber music, mm-hmm. is is so small. Yeah. It's my I mean it's my it's it's just simply my approach to music and it's 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 being respectful when I don't have an important part is being supportive mm-hmm. when I don't have an important part. It's trying my best to shine when I do. Yeah. I mean, I, I will do that if I'm playing a concerto or if I'm playing a, a trio or a quartet or if I'm playing an orchestra, trying to make the people around me um, be the best versions of, them, of themselves. <laughs> and yeah. really, yeah. like if you can, through your music, inspire someone to 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 play well then in turn they give that energy back to you so i'm mm-hmm. i'm trying to do that in all aspects of my musical existence honestly, honestly. yeah that kind of leads me to to like um what we what i talked about just at the beginning of it was was your your philosophy of the habit of playing beautifully i loved watching that and i and i think it's such a great if any, you know anybody's listening go and check that video out but i want i wanted to kind of talk to you about it a little bit and you you say things like you know you you should not live you know our musical existence to please everyone that's not your goal can you kind of expand on 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 the habit of playing beautifully and what it what it really means and kind of just in general like your general philosophy of playing it boils down to one or two things um the a, the big part of that um f- uh, way of thinking is that i don't like to switch um zones when I'm practicing. Like I don't want to be in this zone for when I'm practicing exercises versus when I'm practicing pieces. I approach the exercises the same way I approach the solo rep I'm playing. You know, I'm I'm trying to literally I'm trying to make it sound convincing, beautiful. Mm-hmm. I want to be comfortable enough to have a shared musical experience with you so that while I'm training my muscles I'm also training my ability to communicate so that when I go to um, working on the orchestra rep or the solo rep or chamber mm-hmm. music rep, I'm in that same mental right. space with the same goals, you know, and yeah. it's, it's, it's to move, to move you. The second thing is that, um, you know, if we focus too much on pleasing other people, that's never a good thing. You, you know, things can happen. You lose yourself. And mm-hmm. If if you lose yourself, then you de- decrease the likelihood of someone really being interested in what you have to say. Yeah, no, that's that's if, interesting. You said, yeah. I focus a lot on: Do I think this sounds good? Does this give me chills? Yeah, right. You know? And so you you even say like even in like you even in your warm ups, even in your scales and in, in your your arpeggios and things like that, you make it so that it sounds beautiful. You want it to, so you're always creating and not just kind of rote playing, right? Never. I want to I want to stay in that zone so that it's I'm practicing performing even when I'm practicing yes. these things that almost no one will ever hear. 
No, yeah. Not that many people will hear me play my scales. So yeah. exactly, but that's so important, especially for like for people that are just that that are just starting out taking auditions. And excerpts are they're not great. They're you know they're they're excerpted from this wonderful piece of music, right? That's the, and so you you need to make sure that you're playing them in a way that people are going to listen and be intrigued, and not just you know because I hear a lot of people say, you know, in the first round, I've got to play perfectly and I've got to play in, you know, perfect rhythm and perfect intonation and perfect this. Okay. Yes, you do. Well, but why you, wouldn't you want that? <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. But it's not, it's not robotic. No, 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 no. It serves the purpose of doing whatever you can to not interrupt list the listener's experience of listening to you. Mm-hmm. So if you're messing up all over the place, you know, that's oh, distracting. Sure. Yeah. It's distracting. So all of these things are part of that large I believe should be part of that larger goal. There are tools that you use. Like I don't, I don't want to play out of tune. Why would I want that? I don't want to have bad rhythm. I mean, no one wants those things. But ultimately, when I look back at all of the all of the opportunities I've had to sort of uh, progress my mm-hmm. musical trajectory, and I've gotten lucky. All of those times, I imagine that there was someone that played more perfectly than me. I would bet any amount of money. Yeah. You know, so when I think about it like that, that is not a goal that'll necessarily get you to the destination that you want. Mm-hmm. I'm not telling you to play imperfectly, but you mm-hmm. can play imperfectly and move me and I'll still want to sit next to you. Yeah. I've asked pretty much, I think, all of our guests about, you know, when they're when they're behind the screen, when they're on the other side of the screen listening to an audition and there's always something that they say there was something about someone. The reason that someone won, they, they you know, made me sit up a little bit. And I hear that, but I, I always wonder, what is it? What is that kind of thing that makes someone stand out more than someone else? Do you have an answer for that? Yes. In a way, it becomes a question of value. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll tell a very quick story. When, uh, many, many years ago, back in my Florida orchestra days, mm-hmm. when I was just getting started... I was uh, visiting a friend and we were walking down the street and, you know, he asked, so this qu- random question, how much do you think your Mendelssohn scherzo is worth? I was like, what are you, what are you talking about? Yeah. And we started having this conversation. We auditioned for these positions and we feel like we deserve to win because we've put so much time into yeah. it. But how much do you think it's worth? Is it worth $40,000? Is it worth $100,000, mm-hmm. $200,000? What is it worth? And so I went back home and I started to practice and I couldn't assign any kind of value to what I was doing. Interesting. And so I started to change the way I approach preparing these works in that ideally, if you were to, I wanted so that if you were to stop me on any particular note, that note would be enough information hmm. for you. Like you could yeah. feel my intent um, to communicate, my intent to play that as beautifully as possible, whatever that whatever that means for that particular piece. And I think that it's, people can feel that. Another, if I may, just another really yeah, quick please. story about no, this is one great. of the, <laughs> one of the like most like moving moments for me as a, as um, an audition taker was after an audition that didn't go well. Mm-hmm. I, um, I had two auditions within a few weeks of each other. The first one didn't go well. Okay. The second one actually did. But when it was, I have to say, even more impactful for me than the than actually winning that second audition was I got a I got a Facebook message from someone 
who was on the committee of the first. Mm -hmm. And they said, you know, now that audition is, is done, we picked our person who played amazingly. Um, I, I wanted to reach out to you. I didn't know who you were because this was, I got cut, I think, almost like immediately. And I was wondering the entire time who you were. because, And I just wanted to write to you to say that I heard you. Oh. You know? And that meant that meant the world to me. Because it, it explained how I could play basically the same for one audition and get cut immediately. Yeah. And then win the next one. It's that's, just more people heard me the second one. That's interesting to me that, yeah, I mean, you... That, that you could play that well, but like you said, still not get past the first round of one and then, and then win another. And, that, and again, that's, that's kind of our, our philosophy. Like what I think is, and I've said it before, it's, it's how many times can you get back up after you lose gives you that many more opportunities to win. Right? Absolutely. You have, to, I mean, I, if you know how to, to lose well, it's very beneficial. Yeah. If you, yeah. I mean, if you were able to convert that into fuel, but that's that's a good that's a good thing because you, you, I like what you said. If you if you're able to lose well, because I know that yes, there are people that lose really well, like they lose. Oh yeah, I mean, I, I yeah, it did go well, this and that, and every time, oh well, it didn't go well, and then the next, oh well, it didn't. But how does it motivate you, right? No, no, no. I. I've never been like that. Like I've never said, "Oh well, oh no." I like it. It does. It affects me. Yeah. And I, you know, and I, I may be in a couch for like a few days straight. You know, yeah. really, like a complete mess. And then I give myself that time because yeah. I'm, I, I'm exhausted. I've, yeah. It's not so casual for me. It's never been so casual. I mean, I still, even to this day, if I take an audition, I take it like that, like the kid who was really tired of eating Grace Papaya hot dogs in New York for 50 <laughs> cents each. Really, I, I still feel the same way. Yeah. You know, so it's it's not like, oh, well, it's I get over it after, after, after a few a days and I start to and then I'm back at it. Sit on the couch, get off the couch. How long, though, did it take you to kind of change your philosophy of of playing? You know, going from from what you were doing to how you started to kind of think about, you know, getting into this habit of playing beautifully. One thing that triggered it was an experience I had also kind of early on where I was in a situation that was a, it was a pretty big I considered a, a, an important situation in my life and I spent an entire year um wondering what they were thinking mm. you know this wasn't an audition I I I um got in it basically um and after that year that year didn't work out and so I, I went back to my uh my previous job this this was yeah many this was many years ago, mm-hmm. and after that year, I I realized well I realized a couple of things that even when I was mad at them, there were some people in that in that orchestra that just I would be so angry that it wasn't work I could feel it wasn't working out, and then somebody would play their solo I'm like oh my god that's amazing, mm. so I was able to just separate the beauty that comes from really I mean being top notch and having a good sense of, of, of music making, separate that from 
what could have been a negative experience. That was one thing. Also, after that year, at the end of that year, when I found out I was going back to my old job, I started to play in a way that I I knew was right. I stopped thinking about uh, in an unnecessary way what they were thinking about me, mm-hmm. you know? And I, you know, I played like, you know, Solo from Brahms 4, like, like I like I felt it should go, you know, and people said, oh yeah, you should have done that. You know? So just being really connected to your version of beauty, um, being really confident about how the things that you are sharing, um, how that, how that really contributes positively to the organization you're a part of, not just fitting in, but you're actually making this orchestra sound better. So just changing the way I, I, honestly, I, thought about myself in any given situation change actually even how I audition. That's really interesting uh, to hear that. I mean, it seems, it seems obvious, but I don't, I don't think it is obvious. I mean, the instinct probably if you're on a trial is to fit in or try to play like you think the others want you to play. And that's really unsustainable over the long haul, even if it works, even if that were that strategy somehow got you tenure or got you your position. It seems like that wouldn't be a long-term recipe for success. No, it really isn't. And in the case of the story that I just told, it was completely unnecessary to think that way. Everyone and their mother auditioned for this. And it was just a one-year spot, but they they picked me. Yeah. So then just, you know, be you. Yeah. Right. Beautifully, with the sensitivity of a chamber musician. You need to be, uh, you know, musically polite, mm-hmm. yeah. but really being sure that you are lifting up the level of the orchestra. Yeah. Do you feel like you you have more auditions in your future? Possibly. Yeah. Possibly. I mean, I don't. I don't feel. Uh, I, I don't. I don't mean this specifically in regards to auditioning. Because uh, I never, you know, I'm a, maybe this is obvious. I don't audition to audition, right? But <laughs> yeah. Um, and at this point, I audition where I there's growth. Mm-hmm. Mm, yeah. You know where there's growth, and so I'm definitely nowhere close to to being done growing. Yeah. Progressing. So if there is an audition where I feel that I need this, mm-hmm. then I yeah yeah. You know, I'll be there. Well, I'm sure you've yeah. you've listened to uh, quite a bit of auditions. When you are listening to an audition, that you're what is it that you're looking for when you're when you're sitting there? Let's say just first round. What it, I mean, or do you have do you have different criteria for different rounds, or is it always just like just I want to hear great, I want to hear somebody who piques my interest. It's just that, just that. It's a it's a smiley face or a frown. That's how I oh, yeah. how I grade. <laughs> a smiley face, a frown, or a question mark. And question marks marks are almost always converted to smiley faces. I usually oh. I that's what for me, that's what committees are for. If mm-hmm. I'm unsure, I'll give them the benefit of the doubt and let the um, committee guide them. Yeah. Yeah. I'm usually rooting for someone after the first even like thirty seconds. Sure. Like, yeah. Ooh. Yeah, <laughs> you know that's that's nice, and the end result is usually nothing complicated. Like they sound nice. Yeah, they're not getting in. They're not getting in the way of the music. I keep hearing that. I think it's such great advice that they're not, um, like we, that the the person listening to the audition 
either the or the person playing the audition is not getting in the way. They're not like uh, there wasn't anything that somebody could say that they you know that they heard or like oh that they they were rushing or slowing down or whatever. But I also hear a lot of times you know that it, like dynamics. Dynamics are a big thing, right? Like I know a lot of people. It's there's it's so tricky. I can't imagine how you know just the range of dynamics on the flute. You know, making it really the making the range really audible, right? It's got to be a big thing. Yeah, that is huge. I mean, it um, it does it, it it represents the ability. I mean, it's part of the important part of bringing the the music to life. Yeah. Yep. And when you don't have that range, it's sort of meh you know just yeah. it's yeah dynamics contrast uh within an excerpt from excerpt to excerpt it's all it's all a very important part of it yeah it's a character and 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 you know just the understanding of like you like you said you know when when you have the important line and you know when you don't have the important line right as a violist like i know like i never have the important line so <laughs> <laughs> well that's easy yeah but for you guys, you you pretty much as a flute player, as a wind player, you you're always kind of shining. Let's say you're auditioning or someone is auditioning for second flute or section, right? Is there right. a difference of for what that person should be bringing versus if you're a principal player or taking a principal audition? Not not really. No. I mean, the way that I feel that that person if I'm listening and I'm going to hire a second flutist, mm-hmm. I want a strong beautiful sounding flutist who is bringing the music to, to life if they're um if they're playing a second flute excerpt the way that they would play the most uh extroverted principal flute solo that's that's not doing the music justice that's not what the music yeah. is so i wouldn't think of it in terms of a submiss as being as like a submissive role at all but you always really want through this excerpt whether it's a principal audition or second flute audition for instance you want to play it in a way that i can hear all of the parts yeah and so having an understanding of not just that excerpt but the role that that excerpt plays in this in this piece mm-hmm. and to your colleagues is absolutely crucial and, it, and it's you can easily hear that when you're listening to someone when you're listening to, let's say, a clarinet audition, you would want to be able to hear in that audition where your part that you would be playing fits in there with them, right? Right. So if they if they know that, there's that ability for you in order you know, to conceptualize what how you would sound while while they were playing that solo at the same time. So you're looking for that colleague. Exactly. The reason why it's so easy to hear when someone is being that sensitive is that it's su- there's subtle differences, but being thinking like that inspires, for instance, perhaps a different timbre, a different color mm-hmm. right here yeah. when you know you're playing with the oboe or the bassoon or the flute. It's so subtle, but it's so it's it's absolutely noticeable. And that's the kind of thing that I think when a panel is sitting behind the screen listening to an audition, that's the spark. That's the something. The the something that is you know out there that that make people listen more. If you don't have the the prominent voice, I just really encourage people to have as their goal to make that person sound even even yeah. more beautiful. Yeah. So that it's not just you just go into umpa pa umpa pa mode <laughs> at all. Yeah. You you go and you play in a way that is that is supportive and inspiring and that is also heard and felt 
Yeah, indeed. Yeah. When when you were taking auditions for for San Diego, for Seattle, I mean, you for all these, you mean you've taken a number of them. Do you recommend listening to recordings and things like that while you or do you play along with recordings? Do you listen to recordings of the orchestra you're playing with? Is that something that you feel it gives you an advantage? Doesn't give you advantage? I do listen. I listen to a lot of recordings. Yeah. I will narrow down simply simply my my favorites. But mm-hmm. I will have a. I will try to have a few. I will listen to recordings of the orchestra I'm auditioning for. I'll put that in the mix. I'll just have. I have. I will have a huge playlist. I am not trying to. I'm honestly really copy the way they're playing. Yeah. Okay. It's information. It helps if there is if it is my favorite recording. And it's your favorite recording for a reason. For a reason, yes. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm. I will. I will put that in the mix, but. I have to say that I don't give that much importance to in the case of auditioning for American orchestras, uh, orchestras that I've, that I've been listening to my entire life of like trying, I need to try to sound like this because that's not for me that that's not going to go too well. Having an understanding of, of, feel of by just by putting it on the playlist and listening to it that is not going to hurt you mm-hmm. but studying how for instance how that how the former principal flute is played right is i don't think that's ever a good way because how do you know that they like that former person well yeah that's a good point yeah yeah you know? and so, it's also not yourself it's you're not being true to yourself right right but i definitely but yes i still listen to recordings of the orchestra i'm auditioning for um amongst others yeah and I spend a lot of time listening. Just I'm just trying to internalize all of this music, not just the excerpt. I mean, I start early with this. Ideally, I'll start before once again before that that the audition is announced, because these pieces aren't they tend to not be too short. Yeah, and I want to listen to beginning, beginning to end. Just really feel it. So when I'm on that stage at the audition and I'm turning from one excerpt to the other, I'm literally I can feel the work in its entirety that I'm about to play. Oh, wow. feel it, yeah. you know? It's not just the excerpt. So let's talk about your philosophy real quick. I mean, you you're, you teach at Aspen, right? You were, you I just, teach at Aspen. I'm at CCM. CCM now, yeah, which, congrats, that's awesome. Thanks. When you have your students who are preparing for an audition, what what are the kind of the things that you, you're working with them on? The thing that ultimately I end up working on with, I mean, everyone, is how they're thinking about what they're doing, you know? That and also almost with with everyone i'm focusing on trying to get them to see details in a way that is much more effective and you know microscopic like it's sort of like i can clean my place just fine it'll be enough to throw things in the closet and <laughs> you know and then i if i if i hire someone to clean my place uh-huh. like oh i this is this is different, and I made it doesn't yeah, change yeah. maybe what I do, but I'm made aware of like okay, it does make a difference if I like if if that corner is clean, it makes yeah. a difference. So I'm trying to to get people to really see the beauty in the second note of that excerpt when you've played a beautiful first note and you're on to the third, fourth, fifth. Just the attention to detail to come up with a game plan that will get you to an ideal version of this music mm. according to you. Cause a lot of time, oftentimes people are just, it's, it's just enough to like put in a metronome to play, 
you know, with a perfect pulse. Yeah. And what good is that if, like, I can hear that you're not paying attention to 85% of the notes that you just played? Yeah. You know, you've missed all of this, you know? So <laughs> just we spend most of the time focusing on how to think about things yeah. and preparing yourself to then do exactly that when you're on stage. Right. Yeah. I, I, you said also, I heard you say that, what was it? Correct me if I'm saying this incorrect, you're yeah. wrong. It's the gap between how we think we sound to how we actually sound should be is should be small. It should be small. Yes. So I want to know what I sound like when I'm tired. Yeah. When I'm in, not in a great mood, I want to know what I sound like when I think I sound bad. I want to know what I sound like when I think I sound good. <laughs> I want to make sure that these things are aren't too far apart, no matter what. Yeah. You know, no matter what happens, once again, leading back to ultimately, you know, what I mentioned earlier is that when I'm when I'm in a high stress situation, I want to feel comfort knowing that if things happen to not go as planned, it's really still good enough to win the job. What do you do when what I mean, there, there's got to be days where where you, you, you pick up your instrument and you just you sound like shit. Like you're like, yeah. like I mean, yeah, what? like today. Oh yeah, <laughs> like, <laughs> great, perfect. Yeah, like, but how do you overcome that? I can't. I mean, I, look. I mean, again, I'm a violist. I sound like shit all days. So, <laughs> I mean, but it is that there is that that like, oh my god, you're so frustrated, but you gotta put the time in. Do do you do you push through? Do you do you, 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 do you keep going, or you take you, do you take the time to like be like, you know what? I need to walk. I need to take a step back. Well, there there's a time for that. I. I think that that doesn't have to be the go-to, but there is definitely a time when you perhaps need some perspective, mm -hmm. which is another really important thing yeah. for me in high-stress situations, just trying to gain perspective. I have my own way of doing that. But in general, um, there's times like like today, you know, <laughs> pick, take, put, put together the instrument and I start my warm-up like, uh oh, mm. you know, it's not great. It, but I felt that, it wasn't because my face muscles were exhausted. It wasn't that. So if it's not that, um, do it. I, I felt yeah. that today, for instance, it was just just because, once again, I, that I recorded myself. I wanted to know. Mm. And actually, it really wasn't that bad. <laughs> you know? Right, yeah. So um, there's times to really just stick with the routine. Mm -hmm. There's times to... Uh, switch up the routine and there's time to put away the instrument and you know go for a walk go do something you know go do something fun right clear your head Re yeah regroup i i mean i'm constantly i trying to know what's the best thing to do like at auditions sometimes it's been best for me to drown myself in listening to the rep right right before the audition that i'm about to play mm -hmm. sometimes at auditions I've needed to put on some, I don't know, some hip hop. Yeah. Really. Some like right before I go play, I sometimes, there's been times I'm, I, you know what? I'm like too in it. I need to like, let right. me take a step back so that I can just be me. Hey, you know, I mean, honestly, we had uh, Kristen Bruya uh, on here. It was the principal base of Minnesota. And she said before, before she took uh, her auditions, she put on James Brown and danced around her practice room, like in, you know, right, right before he loosened her up and made her laugh, you know? So yeah. Right. 
Yeah, do what you got to right? do. I, mean, I guess the philosophy is do what you got to do in order to get out of it. I mean, I think musicians in general are just kind of, we're, we're stuck in our heads a little bit too much, you know? So mm-hmm. we got to get out of there a little bit and, you know, take the blinders off, see what's around you. Yeah, I think it's that's a really important thing. Yeah. Really perspective. So you guys, uh, Seattle Symphony, and you know we've we've uh, we talked a little bit. You guys are, are back playing, but what's uh, what's next for for you guys? Do you have any auditions coming up? Are are you are you thinking about taking out or holding any auditions? Holding or anything? auditions. Yeah. Um, let's see. I believe so. I, yeah. as, as far as I know, um, the shop is open uh, next next season. Yeah. You know, yeah. I still I, I still think they're trying to figure out exactly what that means. But you know, and I believe that that includes all auditions. I, I honestly I can't tell you what's coming. Sure. Up. Yeah. No, that's fine. I, I mean, we, I, I mean, like I could, I would tell you. I just don't. No, know. no, I know. Yeah, no, <laughs> <laughs> I know you're not. Yeah. No, we. I was. Yeah. You know, we, I I keep asking about like. Uh, these auditions that, you know, I, I keep thinking about, and I've talked to a couple of our guests about, you know, um, having, you know, kind of recorded auditions for, for prelims. And we've talked about maybe like every local in the, in the United States having their own kind of studios, quote unquote studio there. And, and everybody has the same setup and same mic and same everything. You've got your, your, your steward there and everything they, they submit it. Um, would save a lot of money for for musicians that are struggling. Yes, right. In order to fly yeah, all across, I, I don't think it's I don't think it's a bad idea. You know, just recently, well, um, a little while ago, listening to the uh, Sopa auditions. Yeah, yeah. On online, you know, it's. I mean, I know that I, there was an orchestra meeting. The Seattle Symphony had an orchestra meeting shortly after. There were people, some of my colleagues, and I listened, listening, listened to these auditions. And yeah, I would say that we all felt comfortable if this were a real audition. Yes, this person, we want to advance them for right. sure. It was yeah. comfortable and it's easy. And like you said, it saves money. So yeah, not? yeah. I mean, I even with just an iPhone nowadays. I mean, I think the I mm-hmm. think the recording is is obviously much better than than what it used to be. But anyway, yeah, I, I just keep thinking about right. just the cost of of auditions and. Just you know, you, you can really kind of narrow the field down so much more um, by by those people that you want to hear again, you know, and then those that you don't, right. you know, you, you're not you're not wasting, you know, they're not wasting a thousand dollars to fly, you know, across the country, and I guess I more access to people cr- over the world or, or all over yes. the world, you know, whatever. So yeah, anyway, yeah, I think that's important. Man, I mean, I tell you, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna change the world, Damari. It's gonna, <laughs> it's all coming from behind hey, the screen, right? It? Yeah, <laughs> that's right. You're doing it already. Oh man, I tell you, <laughs> this was really great for you to take the time. I know, I know you're you're busy. I don't want to take up too much of your time, but um, I really appreciate you being on here and and talking about uh, you know again just your your philosophy on taking auditions. I think it's it's really important for people to hear. Uh, I loved listening to it. I'm I'm sure everyone uh, everyone else will as well. Absolutely. Hey, thanks. It's great conversation, and love with you all. What you all do, and oh, thank, thank you, you for asking me. We definitely want to have you back on. We're gonna we're gonna have some you know a lot of our guests back on to follow up with them on because I don't think we're done talking about this in the slightest. This is a conversation, <laughs> right? That I think is so important. I think the next time you're on, I want to talk to JT. We can ask him how much his uh, Mozart 35 is worth. (laughs) (laughs) That was actually the excerpt I played. So Matt, in the orchestra, I said that he was 
personnel manager was, was actually the Florida Philharmonic. And when I took an audition, they st- I started with Mozart 35. And uh, when I finished, I said, do you want to do that again? <laughs> Okay. And I said, yeah. they liked it that much. They oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> they wanted uh, to hear it. Again. It wasn't that. It was. <laughs> See, I didn't uh, even again. remember that. Yeah, I didn't well, remember that. That's what that was. I wouldn't have. I wouldn't have picked that scab was, off there for you. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, man. <laughs> oh goodness! Again, that's why. This is why uh, Matt and I do what we do, and this is why you do what you do, Damari. Because that's right. Thank you so much for being on here. Thanks everyone for listening. To behind the screen, um, please again send in your emails to uh, screenisup at gmail.com. Let us know who you'd like to hear. We've got money. You send us an email, you you, you can make money. That's how we're bribing people now. <laughs> it's it's not even working. It's, it's gotten to that point. <laughs> All right, cool, we man. told poor poor New World Symphony fellows that we would pay them if we got some emails. Just just emails from anybody. Nothing. Yeah. Catherine Bradley and Michael Turkel, you need to step up and do your jobs. Yeah. But you guys have, you do have my my address, right? For my check? Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. It's, yes. it's yeah. Check, checks in the right. mail. Checks it's, in the mail. Don't worry. In the mail. Yep. yep. Awesome. Great. <laughs> as they say, it, as they say in Mexico, mañana, mañana. Don't worry about. It. Yeah. 